We're going to dive into the message today. We're actually in part two of this series we're calling You Asked For It. And it, it is based on a series that we did last, we, we, uh, a survey actually that we did on Easter. And here's the thing I love about this series and the topics about this series is that you can't get mad about what I'm teaching because you asked me to teach about it. How about that? All right. So, so today we're actually talking about stress. Any, anybody ever deal with stress, stress a little bit? Yeah. So we're, we're talking about stress. And here's what I want you to know about this. This topic, stress, was the number two most asked for topic out of all the surveys. The, the first one was, how do I find God's purpose for my life? And we talked about it last week. Number two was stress. So you cannot tell me you're not stressed. Because <laughs> we had a lot of people ask for Help me handle stress. Help me figure this out. How do I get over it? How do I deal with it? So here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to give you some truths in just a little bit and some things that you need to apply. But let me ask you this. Why is it that we seem to keep going around the same mountain? We seem to keep struggling with stress in our lives. And I think it's because we're, we're not getting to the root of the problem. I think it's because we're just trying to cope with the stress. We're trying to medicate the stress, but we're not changing anything about our lives. And how many of you know, if you want, if you want, we said it last week, but if you keep doing the same things over and over again and you expect a different result, that's called insanity. It's not going to change. Like we've got to make some decisions. And so what you're asking me to help you cope, pastor, help me cope with all the stress in my life. Help me get through it. But I'm telling you, it's not going to get better until you make some changes in your life. Amen? Amen. Because here's, here's, the, here's the bottom line of today's message. It's too much in your life. The stress is too much. You can't keep dealing with it. You've got to make some changes. It's not going to fit. And so what we're trying to do is make all this stuff happen in our lives, make all of this stuff fit in our lives, and it stresses us out, and it causes arguments, it causes fights, it creates this feeling inside of us that we can't live with. And, and then we have, to, we have to medicate it somehow. Some of us medicate by overeating, some of us medicate by o- overworking out, some of us medicate by addictions or anger issues or whatever the case is. And so what we're, what we're saying today is we got to find the root problem. Amen? So it might be doable. You might be able to keep living your life the way you're living it, but it's not sustainable. Like you can't keep it up for a long time. It, it, it is going, it will, listen to me, the stress in your life right now is a warning sign. It is your body saying, stop. I can't take it anymore. You've got to change something, right? So, you, you can't keep going at the pace that you're going in. And that's why I love what, what, um, what the psalmist said in Ecclesiastes. Actually, it was Job. He said it in Job chapter 9, verse 25. He said, my days go by faster than a runner. Has everybody, anybody ever felt that way before? Like, your, your days are just going by, and they fly away without me seeing any joy in my life. In other words... Like Job saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm running to this place. I'm running to that place. I'm running everywhere. I'm doing so much that there's no joy in my life. Another way to say it is I'm getting stuff done, but I'm miserable on the inside. I'm getting stuff done, but I can't, 
I can't take it anymore. There's too much pressure, too much stress. So what we're going to do today is just give you some truth. How many of you know Jesus said the truth is what sets us free, right? So we're going to give truth. But first, I want to talk about why are we so busy? Why do we keep ending up in this same cycle of, of stress? And then we cope with it or we medicate it. We feel better for a little bit, but then we end up right back in the same spot. So we're going to find out why we're so stressed. And if we know why, then maybe, you know, why are we so busy? Then maybe we can fix the busy part of it, right? All right, so why are we so busy? Number one is, and this is not in your notes, but we're so busy because we have too many choices in life. Don't you know it was a little bit easier when you only had three channels on the TV instead of 600, right? It was a little bit easier. Uh, back in my day, some of you younger folks, uh, you, you, you're not aware of this, but in my day, we actually had this thing called playing in the dirt outside. You know what I mean? Like we, we, we actually, there, there's actually doors on your house where like you can go outside and have fun and ride bikes and, and do things. But now today we have too many choices. We, we, and actually we don't make commitments very quickly anymore because I'm going to wait and see if something else comes, comes up that's better, <laughs> right? So we have too many choices. When you leave your house within just a couple miles of your house, there's dozens of choices for you to eat, for you to shop, for you to play for recreation. you got choices, places to work out. So that's, that's one reason why we're so busy. The second reason I think we're so busy is there's too much social pressure. Like, I'll say it this way. You're not living the life you want to live. You're living the life everybody else wants you to live. You're living the life that the school system wants you to live. You're living the life that that the edu- like the, the university wants you to live. You're living the life that, that the boss wants you to live or the travel ball team wants you to live. You're living the life that everybody else wants you to live, but not the one that you want to live. You're even living the life the church wants you to live. And listen, I'm telling you, we fight really hard at City Hope to just keep things simple around here. Weekend services, growth track, small groups, dream team. Just do those four things. Let's, let's be sold out to that. Let's not try to have something every day of the week because it's too much, right? Are you with me? It's too much. So we have too many choices. There's too much social pressure. This is a good one. We, we believe we can have it all. And we believe that because we have access to ways that we can have it all. We have this phone, and we can have anything we want within two days, a day. Amazon. I got to have that, right? By the way, it feels like 75 degrees in here right now. Just have have an app on my phone I was looking at. We, We believe we can have it all because we have access to ways we can have it all, like the credit cards, right? Did you know that Americans are living on 117% of their income? Now, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not a mathematician. But I know that you can't sustain that. And we're over here saying, oh, it's some politicians up in Washington. Dadgummit. I mean, they, they're just spending money left and right. Well, it sounds like we are. Because last year, last year, Americans racked up $1 trillion in credit card debt. I've seen politicians, they just don't know how to manage their money. Let's look in the mirror on that one, guys. 
Another crazy statistic says that student loans have risen 150% in the last 10 years. And, and we're stressing out over things. We're, we, we, are, we, we believe we can have it all. And we've bought into that lie. It stresses us out. The next reason why we are so busy in this life is because we believe we can do it all. Oh, no, no I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll take care of that. I, I can handle it. No, don't worry about me. See, some of us are overestimating our abilities. You think you can, you think you can do it. Man, yeah, sure. Yeah, I live in Iowa Park, but I'll run over to Henrietta. I'll drop your son off at this. <laughs> you can't do Like, come on. Sometimes we just have to say no for things. And we overestimate our abilities because we believe we can do it all. And I'm telling you, it's catching up with us, and if it's going to cost us in areas that matter the most to us. Am I preaching hard this morning? Is that why it's so quiet? Is it? Uh, or is it good? I mean, I just, I just want to know, is it, is it helping anybody so far? Okay, so what, all right, because here, here's what we got to do. Like, what, what, what do we do about this? What do we do about the busyness? What do we do about the changes that we need to make? And here's, here's the deal. I'm not going to give you a way to cope with it. I'm not going to help you keep living the life that you're living and, and not change anything in your life, Okay. So I want to give you some principles. There's three things that I want you to buy into today. Before, before you can know what you need to do, you need to know what you need to believe. What do I believe about this? And I want to give you three principles that will absolutely change your life if you believe them. And you can't do the principles until you believe the principles, right? So here, here they are, and, and I'm going to go through them um, uh, in, in just a second. Let me say one more thing. You can't apply the practices until you believe the principles. You have, to do, you have to believe there's a better way first. There's gotta be a better way. Does anybody believe that? There's gotta be a better way. So here's the better way. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. This is simple. Like, we're a practical church. I'm, no, no big theological bombs going off this morning. It's just better to have less of what doesn't matter I don't need that in my life. And more of what really does matter in this life. But this is hard for us. We, we live in America. This is hard because in our country, we believe that more is better, that bigger is better, don't we? We, we believe that. Uh, let me illustrate it for you. I need you to help me out. If $1 is good, then $2 is better. Yeah. We believe that. If one Krispy Kreme donut is good, come on, y'all, two Krispy Kreme donuts is better. Man, it is so, it's so true. If one car is good, then two cars must be better, right? Now, help me with this one. If one kid is good, then two kids are? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I see. You, you did not want to fall for that one. If one wife is good, then two wives are wrong. It's wrong. We don't, we don't do that here. We, not, not here. City Hope, we don't believe in, in two wives. Don't go there, right? One, uh, there was a seminary student one time, and, and he wanted to know, Professor, like, if, if, if Solomon was so wise, why did he have 700 wives? And the professor said, well, I guess it's so that when he came home from work, there would be at least one of them that was happy. 
And so we love all you ladies around here. We know you are all happy. We just love you one at a time. We are just one at a time. We're married to one person, right? So we have a lot going on in our society, in our culture. We, we're dealing with stuff. We got things. I mean, we're running around like crazy. And I think we could all identify with that. Uh, there's a book years ago called, uh, I think it was called The Average Person. And um, you're talking about how I don't, just don't have time. I, don't ha- I, I, I can't go over here. I don't have time to go do this. Well, did you know in an average person, the, av- the average lifetime in America, you will eat out 14,411 times, including 1,811 times at McDonald's. I, brother, I just don't have time. I just can't, can't do that. I just don't have time. Um, the next one says that you will spend 13 years and four months watching TV. I, don't, I just don't have time. I found 13 years worth of time right there for us. Uh, the next one, you're going to spend five years waiting in line, three years in meetings, one year looking for stuff that you have misplaced. That is, there's your time right there. On this last one, you're going to drive 627,000 miles in your lifetime, which is the equivalent of 25 times around the globe. Here's your time. This is where you find it, right? You, you've got the time. It's just maybe we don't manage it well. You have plenty of time. It's just going in different directions. You're putting it in different places instead of managing it better or using it better. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, Solomon, the wisest man in, in all of the world, the one who had 700 wives, the wisest man in all the world, he said it's better to have one handful with tranquility. It's better to have one handful with peace than two handfuls of toil and chasing the wind. Come on, y'all. That's good. Like, it's better to just have, just have one handful. Like, like, I don't need all of the extra stuff. It's going to pull me down. It's going gonna, it's gonna to distract me. It's going to pull me in many different directions. I'm just going to have a little bit in one hand, and that'll be okay. At least I won't be chasing the wind and unhappy with my life with so much stuff. Like, we're, we're one of the only countries in the world that have, we, have, we have houses for all of our stuff. Like, we... There's self-storage houses all, all across our cities because we got so much stuff. And Solomon said, hey, it's just better to have one hand full, right? One hand. So we've got to believe that less is better, and we've got to live on margin. Here's the second one. We have to believe that it's better to live by design than by default. And then my, my boys, we used to let them play Fortnite. Popular game, I know. But I just, we really just got tired of attitudes and, and how they were responding. And everything seemed to just want to revolve around this video game. And so we said, you know what? No more. But one of the things, one of the words they learned through this game is that they started calling people defaults. You're such a default. You're such a default. And it seems like, hey, it's no big deal. But can I tell you right now, there's not a person on this planet who is a default. Everybody on this planet is made by God with a perfect design. He has that created and built in inside of you. There are no defaults. Amen? Come on, let's give God thanks for that. And I'm not even, I'm not even crushing on 
the game. I, really, I don't even care about it, right? I'm not crushing on that. What I'm saying is he, it's better for you. I want you to know that it's better for you to live by the design that God has for you than to just live out a default life. I'm here. I'm just going to do what I do. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to go on. We've got to remember that it's better to live the life that God's designed for us. Remember how I talked about Job? He said, our days go by faster than a runner. Well, you were meant to run. You were meant to run. You are a runner. You're just only meant to run in one direction. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the boy band. I'm talking about like a, you're meant to run in one direction. Like you're meant to go in one place, one direction, instead of running all over the place. So um, I'll illustrate it like this. I, I, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to show this, but Annalise and some others thought it would be good for you to see. But this is what our lives look like. This is, we only have so much time and energy in a day. We only have so much ability in a day. And these arrows represent everywhere that we're putting energy. When we're taking somebody to soccer practice, we're, we've got to work. We've, we've, we've got to go to the courthouse. We've got to get our tags. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. All of our energy is going in a million different directions. And we get stressed out and we get worn out and we get frustrated by this. And, and it's almost like, like if we... Imagine if a football team, all 11 players on the football team had no clue where the goal line was. That would be chaotic, right? You'd be like, what's, what's the deal? What are they doing? Well, that's the way our life looks. When we, have, we, we don't really have any priority. And so we just give our time to the next thing that's on the list. We give our, next, our, our time to the tyranny of the urgent. We're just putting out fires. Does anybody ever feel like that? Just putting out fires? But here's what it would look like if we put all of our energy in one direction. It's the same amount of arrows just stacked now on top of one another. And, and you can go further. You, you can go higher. You can go faster. You can go better when you focus your energy in one direction and your time in one direction than, than putting it all in 16 different directions. So we've, we've got to know that like, we're, we're not designed to live like this. We're designed to live like this, with focus and with determination and with a purpose in our lives. So here's the thing. You've got to know that if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. The, the credit card companies will prioritize your life. The school systems will prioritize your life. Like, somebody else will do it for you. You've got to do it yourself. And, and this is why we're passionate at City Hope to help people find their, their purpose, to help people find their design. We talk about it in growth track, step two, every month. Today is step one. It's the beginning of the growth track. And some of you are like, man, I'm, I, I don't know when I'm going to have time to go. Well, make some time today. It starts today, growth track step one. Give me four Sundays, and we'll help you discover your, your, de your destiny, your, the design that God has put inside of you. Not four months, not forever. Just four Sundays, and you will know the purpose, the, the destiny, the design that God has for you. Amen? And when you know that, you're going to know what Psalm 139 says. You're going to know that all of my days were ordained for me, and they were written in his book. What, what does that mean? Like, God, God he's, he has a purpose for you. He's had it from the beginning of time before one of them ever came to be. He's written a book about you about your purpose, about the destiny that he has for your life. 
And when you know your destiny, when you know how you were designed, you can stand boldly and say, oh, I, all the days ordained for me were written in his book. He, I know how well he's created me. That's our hope for you. So growth track's happening right after this service, right after the baptisms. You, you can find your design there. So we've, we've got to live by design, not by default. And then number three, it is better to do the right things, get the right things done, and not just more things done. Get the right things done. Man, like, I'm good. I feel like I'm decent at compartmentalizing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like if I were cleaning the house, we had a bunch of people coming over, I'd probably... I would probably put everything into a certain room <laughs> and be like, nobody goes in there. I'm just going to get the right things done. But this is where Annalise and I, we're a little bit different because she wants to get everything done. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it matters to her to have the whole house just neat and in order, and, and, and that's okay until it starts to stress us out. So it might be something that we have to learn. Hey, I... I've got to get the right things done and not just things done. I've got to do the right things in my life. Are you with me today? So we're going to be intentional. We're going to live on purpose. And it is time for us to, just, to, for us to quit measuring ourselves by how many things we get done and, and, and start focusing on the right things, doing the right things. What's the most important thing? Proverbs 17, 24 says it this way, that an intelligent person aims at wise action. And every one of you are intelligent. You're smart. Why is it? Aim at wise action. Aim at what's important. But a fool looks like Tasmanian devil, man. I'm telling you why. He's been everywhere and accomplished nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you've done all kinds of stuff today, and then you look back and you go, what did, I, what did I do today? A fool starts in many directions. Let's aim at the wise action and do that first. So what do we do? How do we, how do we take what we believe now and make some practical application in our life? How do we do that? Well, I love practical steps. So I'm going to give you three practical steps. And I love this church because it's practical Christianity, right? When I was growing up, the preacher did a great job of telling us how bad we were, but we didn't know how to get better. How do, I, how do I manage that? How do I become who God wants me to be? So I want to give you some practical steps that will help you live this out Monday through Saturday. Are you ready? All right. So the, number one, regularly, regularly take inventory of your life. Like, reflect on your life. Are you, are you making a difference? Are you doing things that matter in your life? Another way to say it is evaluate. Stop and evaluate. How am I doing? Uh, am I making a difference? Am I doing the right things or just a bunch of things? Am I distracted from what really matters in my life? And, and we do this at funerals, right? Somebody passes away, we're sitting in the funeral home, and we're like, man, I really need to get some things in order in my life. Anybody done that before? I've done that. Like, I really need to focus. I really need to, I need to up the ante, man. I need to get my act together. I need to, I need to really live the life that God's called me to live. But we ought to do that on a regular basis, not just at funerals. It, what we need to do is what Psalm 39 says. And it says, what we need is for God to remind us how brief our time on earth really is. 
Like, we, we don't have forever. We don't have forever. We need the Lord to remind us that my days are numbered. Are you with me? That, that my life is fleeing away. And my life is no longer than the width of my hand. He goes on to say an entire lifetime is just a moment to God. Human existence is but a breath. Here today, gone tomorrow. That's the way a New Testament writer described it. He said it's like a puff of air. It's like vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. This, this is our life. So we've got to take inventory of where we are in our lives. Several years ago, I read a book called um, Leading on Empty by a pastor named Wayne Cordero. He's from, uh, he's from Hawaii. Pastors a church there called New Hope Church. And this book is uh, called Leading on Empty, and he wrote it after a season where he was really leading on empty. He was, he was worn out. He was like, he was gone. He was, he was burnt out from ministry. Nervous breakdown, just done with it. And he wrote this book to help other leaders and pastors along the way. And in his book, he gives this dashboard of 12, 12 things that we can use to evaluate our lives. And I want to I share that with you today. I, I actually forgot about this uh, until this week as I was preparing. And you might want to take a picture because I don't know if you'll have time to write down all of the words. But here is the dashboard. And he says, what you want to do is just choose, one of, uh, choose each one of these, write a sentence, and give yourself a grade like once a month. Ask yourself, how am I doing with my faith? Am I, like, is my relationship with the Lord growing? Or am, am I maturing in my walk with God? How's my family doing? Do they like being around me? I mean, am, am I leading them well? Am I taking care of my family? Uh, marriage. Are we happily married or are we married but not engaged? Are, are we just co... co we, we live in together. We're, not, we're just kind of sharing space. We're, we're habitating, Right? How's, how's my work and my job? Am I giving all that I can to this work? Am I giving too much? How, how am I doing with technology? Am I spending too much time on it? What would screen time say if you looked that up on your phone? How much time are we spending on technology? Is it taking away from other things in our lives? How's my ministry? Am I serving God using my gifts and my talents? You just write, write a sentence. How am I doing here? Grade yourself on your social activity. Am I spending enough time with close friends or am I spending too much time? Attitude. How's my attitude? Do people, do people want to be around me or am I a sour kind of a guy? How are my finances? Do my finances tell me what to do or do I tell my finances what to do? And, and if, if you tell your finances what to do, that's a lot of stress off your back right there. Just telling that your finances where to go creativity, physical. Am I taking care of my physical body? Am I, am I eating okay? Am I, am I working out? How's my fitness life? Am, am I taking good care of me? How's my travel? Are we vacationing? Have we, have we gone too much? Am, am, I, am I traveling with work too much? Am I away from home too much? These are some questions that are going to help you, help me evaluate where we are. And I'm telling you, once you evaluate then you're going to have to eliminate. Number two, after you've gone through a list like this, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. Mm. 
How many of you know, like there's some things that just aren't easy to decide. Some things just aren't that easy to decide. You're going to have to make some tough decisions along the way. When I was growing up, now some of you young people might not like what I'm about to say, but some of you parents might, might appreciate it. When I was growing up, a lot of the firsts that I did in life, a lot, a lot of the things that I, I did at first came when I had spent the nights at other people's houses. You know what I'm saying? Like my first cigarette, my first drink, my first dirty magazine. Are you with me? A lot of that happened from spending the night at other people's houses. And so I thought, man, when we get married, when we start having kids, our kids aren't staying anywhere. Man, I'm keeping them right here. They're staying in my house. I don't want them. I don't trust y'all. No, I'm just kidding. But I don't, But because uh, I don't. And that's okay if you said that about me, because we ought to be that way with our kids. Because here's the deal. Like, we're, we're raising... We're raising the next generation, and you might, you might not be popular if you live your life making tough decisions, but I'll tell you this, if you learn to say no, you will trade popularity for respect, and what I want is I want my boys to love God, love the church, and love their family. I want them to, and listen, in order for that to happen, we've got to make some tough decisions that won't be popular with them now, but it will earn their respect later. And one day they'll look back on their lives and they'll go, Dad, thanks for not letting me go there. Thanks for being strict on me. Thanks for not letting me just do whatever I wanted to do. You'll trade popularity for respect. And I'm telling you, that's a whole lot better in, in the end. Amen? So you've got to, I'm just, that's just an example of some tough decisions that you might have to make and say, hey, you know what? We're not going to go to the award ceremony that's going to last two hours tonight because this is family night, and we're not going to do that. No, we're, we're, you can play football, but we're not going to do all the extracurriculars that go along with the banquets and all these other things that are going to cause more stress in our lives because it's more things we have to do. Like, this is our world, and you can invite other people into our world but we're not going to leave our world to join what everybody else is doing. You, are you following me? Like, you've you got to make some boundaries along the way and, and say no to some tough things. Psalm uh, chapter 90 says, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them wisely. Help us spend our days wisely. L- let me ask you a question. Um. Like, well, I'll say it this way. Suppose every night at midnight, you got a deposit of $86,400 at midnight every night. Come on, y'all with me so far? Yeah. Like, I could, I could handle that. I could handle that. But here's the deal. With $86,400 every night at midnight, it's going to be there like clockwork. You don't even have to worry about it. You don't have to call and check on it. You don't have to ask about it. It's going to be there every night at midnight. There's, only, there's one catch. You have to spend every bit of it that day. You can't roll it over to the next day. You can't save it. You can't transfer it. You, can't, uh, you, you, you have to spend it in one day. I'm, and, and I mean, like, hopefully y'all would give a lot of it here so we could build a building. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but you have to spend it in the day. It has to, you have to get rid of it. You can't take it. The next day, you can't roll it over. Could you, 
use that $86,400 to make a difference? Could you find a way to spend it every single day? Okay. Well, here's the deal. Every night at midnight, you, you get 86,400 seconds rolled into your life every day. And you can't roll them over to the next day. You can't transfer them to somebody else's account. You can invest them, and that's probably the best thing we could do with it, our time, is invest it into somebody else's life. But you can't roll it over. It expires the next day at midnight. So I'm asking you, could, could, you, could, you find, could, could you use it? Could you make a difference in somebody else's life? You have that already. You have 86,400 seconds every day. And what we've got to learn to do is spend it as we should. Amen? Amen. I, hey, I know this is maybe a little bit tough today, um, but I hope you're with me. Are you getting something out of it? Awesome. Well, so we've got, to, we've got to take inventory. We've got to make some tough decisions. And then the last thing is that we've got to focus on what matters most. What matters more than anything else? What matters? Jesus talked about stress in his Sermon on the Mount. And he said, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all of the other things will be added unto you. All the other things will be given to you if you seek Him, His kingdom, His righteousness first. So this is what really matters. What matters in life, Ben? What, what really matters in my life? Well, I'll give you three things that matter. In your notes, the first one is this. God matters. God matters. Like even if you don't believe me, and even if you're struggling to... I don't know, Ben, I don't know if God really matters. I don't know, like, I don't know if I believe this whole Jesus thing. I'm telling you, one day you will stand before God and he will ask you one question, what did you do with my son Jesus? Everybody's gonna be asked that question. And, and in that moment, it's not good enough that Jesus is on your list. What matters most is that he's at the top of your list. Come on, somebody. I'll say it this way, if he's not at the top of your list, he's not on your list. If he's not at the top, he's not on the list. And so we, when, when we make him the, the top of the list, when we make him the Lord of our lives, what we know when we take this leap of faith is we will learn what Paul learned, and that is that Jesus Christ is better than anything else in this life. All my stress, all my worries, all my anxieties, they don't compare to Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way in Philippians. He said, whatever was to my profit, all of those things that I had going on for me, all the travel ball tournaments that I was in as a, as a boy, all of the things that I did in life, the, 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 the house and the car and all of these things that I possessed and all of those places I spent time at, were they're nothing for the sake of Christ. I consider it loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, he says, everything is a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I lost everything. I mean, this is a guy who did have it all. He was 
a Pharisee of Pharisees. This guy, he, he, he was wealthy, man. He, he was religious leader. He had his act together, and he threw it all away so he could know Jesus Christ. And he said, I consider everything else rubbish. It's garbage. Everything, yeah, you can't take it with you. Like, have you ever seen a, a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul? It's not happening, right? We can't take it with us. Paul says, I consider it all rubbish. It just doesn't even matter anymore. And when you come to know Jesus, when you give your life to him, when, when you can surrender the stress and all of those things, you're going to know, man, Jesus is so much better. God's better. Number two is that people matter. God matters. Well, people matter. Because people are the only thing that you can take with you to heaven. Isn't that good news? You can't take anything else. All the stress, all the worries, all, all the stuff, you don't get to take it with you. People are the only thing that will show up in heaven. And I love this. This, this is why we built a church the way we built this church. Because we want to take as many people with us to heaven as possible. It's not about like, like what we want as Christians. Are you hearing me? Like the church doesn't exist for us. We are the church. We exist for people who aren't here yet. That's why we exist. Because people matter. And it's imperative. I'm telling you, it is so vital and so important that we live our lives in relationship with other people. Not by ourselves. Not on an island somewhere. Galatians says it this way. In chapter 5, it says, serve one another in love. And, and, and this, is, this, is the, this is it. The law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Serve one another in love. Why? Because the entire law is summed, summed up in this command to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't love people, you can't say you love God. And if you, don't if you say you love God, but you don't love people, well, then... It, it's just resounding gong. It's a clanging cymbal. You have to love. You have to, you have to love people because people matter. And I don't want this church to just be a church with some small groups. Yeah, yeah, we have some small groups. We're a church of small groups. And, and small groups kick off a month from today. June 2nd, we launch small groups. Today, small group leadership signups happen today. You, you can sign up in the lobby. You can sign up online and, and here's the thing about leading a small group is that anybody can lead a small group. Oh, can, can, you, uh, can you have a, a small group where we ride bikes? Yeah, you can. Well, can you have a small group where we sew and we knit? You can. Yeah. <laughs> can, can you have a small group where, where we bake cookies? Yeah, we can. I'll be there. <laughs> I, I'm not baking, but I'm eating. I'm going to eat. Right? Can, can, we do, can we do a small group on, on like a Bible study? Yes. Can we do a small group at the gun range? Yes. You can. Because as long as people can connect with each other and protect each other and grow together, you can have a small group. And you need to get in a group with somebody. Maybe some of you are here today and you're like, man, I'm, I, I want to lead a group. Lead a group. Step out in faith and lead a group because that's where real community happens. That's where real connection happens. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says it this way, that a person standing alone 
can be attacked and defeated. I don't know about this small group stuff. You, you've been preaching it since you launched, but really, man, I, I think I'm good on my own. Well, you, you'll be attacked and defeated, and we'll welcome you back later on. Okay. But, but two, they're still going to be attacked, but now they can stand back to back and conquer. Three, on the other hand, when you get a small group together is a triple braided cord that is not easily broken. That's why we need other people in our lives. People matter. So we got to focus on the right things. God matters. People matter. And before I give you this last one, I want to read a scripture to kind of set it up. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And in his joy, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. So he found the treasure, and then he's like, oh, snap, this is awesome. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. He buried it right back on the field, and then he went and sold everything he had, and he went and bought the field so he could have the treasure. Well, what is the field that the Scripture's talking about? The field is anything that's eternal. And that's number three. Eternity matters. You've got to focus on the right things. Like God matters. People matter. But eternity matters. And, and this is why, as a church, we ought to give as much as we can give. We ought to pray as much as we can pray. We ought to serve as much as we can serve because eternity matters. Like heaven and hell are real. Do we believe that still? Like it's a real, it's real. And eternity matters. We ought to do everything we can to plunder hell and populate heaven. Amen? Hey, would you bow your heads with me today? And, and let me just ask you this question that I love to ask you. And that is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's the Holy Spirit whispering to you? How do I handle stress? God, Holy Spirit, how? Like, help me. And I think maybe what the Holy Spirit is saying is, yeah, I want to help you, but you have to change some things. You can't keep doing life the same way. You got to give something up. You got to eliminate something. You got to change the way you believe about some things. It's just, it has to happen. So I'm gonna, I want to pray for you right where you are because I know, I, I know in a room this large, there's some people here today, you are on the brink of breakdown and you're saying, Ben, I can't take it anymore. I'm about to fall apart. I'm restless. I don't know what to do. I'm not just coping. I'm medicating and I'm for real medicating. I'm, I'm on prescription drugs because I'm so stressed out and I'm telling you today, that's not God's will for your life. He wants to set you free today. He wants to bring hope and freedom and deliverance today. So Lord, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. You, you don't need a process, Lord, but you often use a process. 
You can do it in an instant moment today. You can set people free from anxiety and stress and fear and depression and worry. You can set people free today from that. For those who are on the brink and they're saying, I can't do it anymore, Lord, I pray that you give them the wisdom today to know you like never before, to know you like Paul knew you, where he, where they can say everything else really doesn't even matter in this life. It's not worth it. I want to live with one handful of people than two handfuls of turmoil in my life. I don't want to chase after the wind. I want to live with peace. I want to count my days. They're numbered. And I want to live the best that I can today and not worry about tomorrow, not worry about the future. So Lord, I thank you that you're strengthening us today to live that out, to believe what we need to believe, to, be, to believe that less is actually more. God, it's more. To believe that you've designed us with purpose to believe that there's actually things that we can do that are the right things and not just a bunch of stuff. Amen.